Gracious Lord, as we look into your word, we ask for understanding, we ask for illumination and we ask for empowering of your Holy Spirit. Confirm to us what it is, is the message you have for us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's see if the uh, little clicker works today. Behold. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And I highlighted this morning that word peace. Peace, a greatly desired commodity. Uh, parents of toddlers desire it. Ordinary citizens who've got conflict with uh, their relationships desire it. Many people desire it. But although everyone desires it, there's no agreement on how to get it. There's no agreement on what sort of peace we need and there's no agreement on who the peace should be between. And so when it comes to Christmas and we have this word peace, it raises some questions. What is the peace of Christmas? Who's it between? And we'll remind ourselves of the story and the peace that was promised to the, uh, to the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Peace. And the heart of the message was that there was a human being born that day who as well as being a normal human flesh and blood being is simultaneously saviour, simultaneously lord of all, simultaneously the ultimate power and authority. And from the rest of the Bible we know that the peace that would become available to all humanity through the Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ was peace in the most ultimate and the most important of all relationships, the relationship between us and ultimate authority, the relationship between us and God. And the only wellspring of all other pieces is this peace with God. And by wellspring, I mean the true source of peace. So if we have peace in our relationship with God, then we can have peace with one another. Because out of a peaceful heart comes peace. And if we've brought our sins and failings to the Saviour and we've asked him to forgive us, and if we're determined to live under the authority of that ultimate authority, of, under his lordship, and if we have believed that he died on the cross to pay the penalty which our sins demanded and have accepted his work in our hearts and lives, then we can have the peaceful heart which we desire so much. And this is the peace that was promised at first Christmas. Now, Christmas Day doesn't come out of the blue. There's a history leading up to it. And today, on the Sunday before Christmas, I'm going to draw your attention 
through that history. And I'm going to draw your attention to a particular way of remembering many of the key points of that history. You know, we have had Christians for some time and they have thought deeply about how to communicate the whole story of Christmas. And there was a time when not everybody went to school. And some of you go, oh, how good that would be. No. <laughs> but there was a time when people couldn't read or write. And so they had to think, how are we going to come up with, how are we going to get them to remember? And so they came up with symbols which they could tie their memory to. And as they thought about the importance of the fact that Jesus is coming back and Jesus came, they started to use a word talking about the coming or the arrival of someone or something which is really important or worthy of note, and they used a Latin word for that, advent. And somewhere around about the 4th century, many Christians started to memorialise the coming of Jesus by setting apart a season to think about that, a season of fasting, a season of repentance, and includes an anticipation and a hope and a joy that Jesus is coming. And interestingly, when Advent was started, it was not so much about preparing for the coming of the Christ child, as we do now, but it was about preparing for the second coming of Christ. And it was in the 6th century that St Gregory the Great was the first to associate this season of Advent with the coming of Christ the baby. And uh, by the Middle Ages, they'd standardised things. They'd come up with a season of four Sundays, about 25 uh, days, and they called people to fast and to repent. And this season of preparation for the coming or arrival of something or someone important, that's an advent, came to be associated with three main things. They thought they associated with the coming of the baby Jesus. They associated with the second coming of Jesus. And they associated with the coming of the Holy Spirit into each of our lives. So Advent has got those three components in it. And so in this Advent season, somewhere along the way, they had this idea. They said, let's take a tree, usually a leafless tree, because you know, it was wintertime over there, and let's hang on this tree symbols from the entire history of salvation in the Bible. And... You know, They'd do it in different ways, but often you'd, you'd take one symbol per day, you'd hang it on the tree and you'd read a scripture and that would remind you of that part of the story. And some parts of the church have been doing it constantly. I only came across this way of doing it this year and they've got a very highly specialised way of doing it. And my, name, my aim is not to introduce a new tradition to you, but just to enjoy the way, what we're going to do in a moment, that the whole story of the Bible is tied together leading to Christmas. And what we have, and what they call this, is this tree is a Jesse tree. And, and we've got a Jesse tree lurking in the vestry. And just an artistic version of it. A Jesse tree. Thank you, Al. And uh, just let him out. <laughs> Do-si-do. <laughs> um, 
And I've got my beautiful assistant. <laughs> Give me a hand. Who uh, has hung around with me for some 46 years as of today. <laughs> yes, she's got a lot of perseverance, hasn't she? Put up with me for 46 years. <laughs> All right, this is probably in the road here too, isn't it? And there we have the Jesse tree. So what is it from? It's from Isaiah 11.1, 1, that a, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And, you know, uh, that chopped off tree that you can see there. And if I got him, I'll go back to see him there. I've got a, a block of land in Mount Barker and it's got a plantation on it and a couple of times they've gone and they've chopped off the trees and left the stumps there and what happens not all of them die some of them grow again and, and a whole new shoot can a whole new uh, tree can completely grow out of it and so Isaiah has predicted that from the dead kingly line of King David you know you've got King David you've got Solomon he was he was the uh, king and then chopped off his his kingly line and you go, oh, that's the end of that. But a shoot is going to come out of that. Let's see what Isaiah tells us. A shoot will come out of from the stump of Jesse, from his root. A branch will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. And the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. And so, of course, that's all referring to Jesus. And when he comes, there actually will be judgment. We don't think about that at Christmas time. We think about presents. But this, this uh, shoot with righteousness, he will judge. He'll judge the needy with justice. He'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the slash around his waist. And so this is within the idea of Christmas, so these ideas too. And after judgment comes a prediction of the peace that I started off talking about. You know, the peace of Christ? The peace will be that the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put his hand into the viper's net. They will, ne they will neither harm... They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so the peace that we desire so much has its source, it has its wellspring in peace with God, and one day this shoot of Desi is going to create a peace that we've just read about. Such a quality of peace that natural antagonists like wolves and lambs and Lions and yearlings, cows and bears, children and parents, no, children and cobras, will be harmless to one another. 
And the battle for supremacy between antagonists will be so non-existent that even a child will be able to lead calves and lions. Right then, so we're going to move quickly now. Uh, what's the story? First, we've got to create humans. Adam and Eve, as you know, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that we may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And it's not long before we have the only satisfactory explanation for the origin of evil in the world. We have the fall. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and note the guy was there at the time as well, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and, and he ate it. And there were consequences. The first one being... They realised they were naked. But worse than that, the woman has some judgement. I make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to, to Adam, because, it, because he listened to his, his wife and ate fruit from the tree, cursed is the ground. And then your work... It's going to produce thorns and thistles and it's going to be hard. So life went on for some time but it seemed to go downhill until Noah's Ark and the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time and the Lord regretted that he made human beings. Things were bad. There was only one guy left. It was Noah. He found favour in the eyes of the Lord and was asked to make an ark. Well, after that, humanity had a chance to thrive, but still wasn't good. And so, and I, then God said, "I'm going to, out of all the people, I'm going to pick one good guy." And He picked Abram. The Lord said to Abram, "I'm go from your country and your people and your father's household. I'm going to give you a land, a promised land." And it's going to be really good because I'll make you a great nation. And he promised him countless descendants. Even though him and his wife are too old to have kids. It'd be a miracle if that could happen. And Abram demonstrated why God chose to make a covenant with him because he, he actually believed what God said. And God took him outside and he said, look up the sky. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said, so shall your offspring be. And as we go through salvation history, we see a number of key saviour-type figures. We've got Noah, who was a saviour for mankind after the flood. We've got Abraham, who saved a nation. And then we've got Joseph, who saves Israel out of drought and famine. And he had a dream and his brothers didn't like it because they ended up bowing down to him. But the story is that Joseph basically saved the nation. And then after some 400 years in Egypt, along comes the next saviour figure, Moses. 
and he blessed Israel with the Ten Commandments. And here's the first few of them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in the heaven above and or on the earth beneath it or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the, ch the children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation, but showing love to a thousand generations. And I think, you know, compare the effects of sin, three or four generations, the effects of righteousness, a thousand generations. We get a better deal if we live for Jesus in our kids. So eventually the Jews get to enter the promised land and one of the battles they've got a in one of the battles to evict the sinful people who live there, we've got the prostitute Rahab who sides with the Israelis and she lets out of her window a scarlet thread, gets saved, and her faith got her included in the lineage of Jesus, the shoot of Jesse. And uh, there's the story of the scarlet cord out of the window. After Rahab's included in, in the lineage comes Ruth and Boaz. And all the elders and the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, and I love this, who together built up the family of Israel. By her faith she's coming in and she's built up the family of Israel. And then the elders and all the people at the, at the gate uh, said, yes, build up the family of Israel. And then, because of her faith, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed and now we get close to the father of Jesse, we're at the father of, of David. So we're, we're at the Jesse tree now. And we get... From Jesse, descendant to King David, God chose him to be king. He anointed him in the presence of his brothers and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And uh, he was, that was anointed. He wasn't even in a position to be king, but he became king. And in time, when he did become king, he became a particular type of king. He became a shepherd king. And all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood in the past. While Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. Shepherding and king. And this uh, shepherd king prepared everything for a temple, but he couldn't do it because it was up to Solomon to build the temple. And that says, your son, whom I'll put on the throne in your place, will build the temple for my name. A bit later on, the Jews did dreadful trouble with the Babylonians. And another saviour figure in this case, a female, Esther, Esther with uh, her father-in-law, her uncle, I should say. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, the king held out his gold scepter so that she wouldn't get killed. And then he passed an edict which enabled them to attack and plunder people, plunder all the property of their enemies. And in this period of time, we've also got further prophecies 
from Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I love this bit here. I mean, this is the, the, this is the shoot here, coming out of here. This is our hope that one day of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And uh, once again, the reminder of the peace that will come at that time. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. After Isaiah, we've got a somewhat disobedient prophet named Jonah. And his link with the, the root of Jesse is the three days, three days of darkness. In his case, darkness inside a whale. In Jesus' case, darkness. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. After Jonah, there's Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel sees amazing deliverances, amazing visions of end time. That's just when he sent, God sent the angel and delivered him from the mouths of lions. And now we're getting closer to, oh, we've got closer to Christmas Day. The prophet Micah is going to give us a location for where the baby is born. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, although you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And as we've mentioned in David being the shepherd king, so here we see he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. He will be the, the true shepherd king. And as we think about how amazing it is that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, don't forget that there were some other amazing births. You've got, uh, you've got Elizabeth and Zechariah who couldn't have kids. And they had, just like Abram and Sarah couldn't have kids, Elizabeth and Zechariah couldn't have. They were praying people. They were very godly people. And their prayers were answered. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And their son was to be a herald of Jesus, John the Baptist. 
In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Jesus, John was born a few months before Jesus. And so God chose Mary. An angel said to her, Don't be afraid, you've found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. See, link again to that throne down there, the cut-off stump of David's kingdom. It's now got the new shoot, and he will reign over David, Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And God is so gracious, he did let Joseph in on the story too. The angel appeared to Joseph, and uh, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because you will save his people from their sins. And then all proceeds on with an imposed trip by the governmental bean counters. Mary and Joseph are required to go to Bethlehem, went there to register in Bethlehem, and whilst they were there, we get to Christmas Day. Time came for the baby to be born and Jesus was born. And she gave birth to a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Thank you, Kay. Well, let's draw it together. At our carol service last week, uh, Haddon sang beautifully a song called Bellow Wood about a true historical event that happened in World War One, and it was on Christmas morning 1914 and Belgium and French, German and British soldiers were in their trenches and on Christmas Day the common soldiers disobeyed their superiors and fraternised with the enemy all along the Western Front. They left their trenches and they met together in no man's land. They shook hands, they hugged, they traded chocolates and photographs, they even played a bit of soccer. And that started on the Christmas Eve and one of the, an eyewitness soldier had wrote a journal about it, and he's Albert Moran, and he said, first the Germans would sing one of their carols and then we'd sing one of ours. And until we started singing, O come all ye faithful, and the Germans immediately joined in the singing the same hymn to the Latin words, Adeste Fidelis. And Albert said, I thought, how extraordinary a thing. Two nations singing the same carol in the middle of a, of a war. And the next morning, quite a number of things happened, one of which caught my attention was the Germans holding up a sign you know shoot, we know shoot. And over the course of the day they exchanged gifts of cigarettes, food, buttons and hats. And the Christmas truce was sort of agreed upon a bit by quite a lot of the, the superiors. They thought, oh, it's not a bad thing to do. Unfortunately, of course, the people really up high didn't like it. But nevertheless, it happened. And although this Christmas truce may have been a one-off, it remains so widely commemorated because we have such a yearning 
for peace. No matter how fleeting it is, we'll take it. But that Christmas story doesn't have to be as fleeting as that unofficial day in Bellow Wood. And although we can see that the Christmas story, the message of Jesus, was what overcame in that situation, although we can see that, we, as something that happened then, it is something that can happen today for each of us, whatever our war is. Because when you put all your desires aside and you pursue Christ first, then you'll have peace. Just as those ordinary soldiers had, they put aside everything else, they pursued Jesus and Christmas peace, and they had peace. And it reminds us that one day there will be genuine peace when the wolf will live with the lamb. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, Christmas is not the whole story. It's, it's a pivotal part of, of your whole salvation history as you've been working with mankind ever since uh, the fall of man and you've been working in so many ways to bring us to where we'll be. And we want to be prepared for what's coming. So forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins. We trust you and we ask you to be our Lord and our Saviour. We know that the peace we really need is peace with you. Because you are the ultimate authority. And one day you will come to judge the living and the dead and... Praise your holy name, it will be a righteous judgment. It will be fair, but it won't be fair according to our standards, it will be fair according to your standards. And so we worship you this Christmas. Praise God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.